Welcome to the November 13th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture are selected verses from Joshua chapters 13 through 21, and the sermon is entitled, Promise of God, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and go to the book of Joshua. That's no surprise to you, I don't think. But what is a surprise to you is we will cover nine chapters As we look through nine chapters, it's so hard to preach that verse by verse and place by place and city by city. So these nine chapters, we will look and we're going to introduce a map here in a little bit to, to understand these divisions of the promised land. Friends, here's what I want you to know. We are in the promised land. Isn't that a miracle? Amen. As we look at the study of Joshua, we have studied to this point. And we understand that just as we sang this morning, I believe that Joshua could sing, Standing on the Promises. I hope that every heart, every life, every person within this sanctuary today can say, I stand on the promises that are contained in this holy book of God's Word. As we talked about the new, new uh, members class this morning, the connections class, this is not the Word of God. This is not just the Word of God. It is the Word of God, okay? It contains every bit of what God wants for your life and for my life from this day on and how we live it out. How is our faithfulness? Where do we stand? Friends, I hope you and I can say today, as we leave, that we stand on the promise of God. And I'm grateful today to open the book of Joshua with you. Some of those promises that we love to stand on. Today, I hope you stand on the promise of salvation. That today, as you sit here in this sanctuary and you worship, you know that you are saved. If you cannot stand on that promise that Jesus Christ is your Lord, you need to adjust and and meet that, that promise. You need to meet Jesus Christ as your Savior today. The promise of salvation that when we leave this world, we will live forever with our Savior, that is a promise I want to stand on. What about the promise of hell? And many times we don't address that, maybe even from the pulpit, as much as we need to. But hell is a promise for those who do not choose to follow Jesus Christ. And friends, if I stand on the promise of heaven for a believer, I have to stand on the promise of hell for those that choose not to follow Jesus Christ. And so those are some tough words. All promises of of God are not sweet and give us warm, fuzzy feelings. The promise of hell breaks my heart today because some people will go there because of their choice. But we must be willing to stand on that promise. Joshua stood on the promises of God that God would be with him, that he would not leave him or forsake him, that he would lead him through the time period that he had gifted him as leader of the Israelite people. And Joshua trusted the Lord with his heart, with all that he had. And my hope in this is is this for our church. If you get absolutely nothing out of the study of Joshua, it would be this. That you need to trust the Lord with your life, 
with your future, with your eternity, starting today, if you've never done that. The promises of God are not easy. But the promises of God for the people of Israel was in the form of land. And that's what we're going to look at. From the moments in Scripture in Exodus, through the book of Deuteronomy and Joshua and Numbers, all of those books record there is a land that is great and good and spacious and flowing with milk and honey. There is a promised land that waits for you. And as through the years, I want you to see some 600 years this promise was made to Abraham. And it went through 600 years and Joshua is the one who gets to put his eyes and put his family in the land that God has promised. Friends, I want you to know the promises of God come to sight to Joshua and the people of Israel in Scripture today. I wonder, as we look at the faithfulness of God, that as we've studied up to this point, Joshua has led a conquering phase of seven years of war. He has fought, he has led in battle for seven years. And he's been faithful every day to get up and to seek the Lord and to follow God in battle. What if our battle would be on our knees? What if we had to pray for seven years in order for something to happen? How many of us would win that battle? I will be honest with you, it would be a hard one for me. It would be hard. But where is the key to all of the promises of God? It is in the faithfulness of His people. With that said, there's one verse today. This is going to be unlike any other sermon I've preached to this point. There are no points. But there's lots to learn. Joshua chapter 13, one verse. Look at verse number 1. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. There's always more to do. Have y'all figured that out yet? Do you ever get your house clean enough where you don't have to clean it again? No, you don't. Do you ever wash enough loads of laundry where it's all done? No, you don't. Well, listen, the work of our Lord is not done either. And I want you to see a man in Joshua that as God is using him, he is advanced in years. And I'm going to use this word because the Bible uses the word. Joshua is old. A hundred years old, roughly, is what he is thought to be here. A hundred-year-old man. And here's what God says. There's still more to do. There's still more to do. I wanted to do this, but I'm going to do it by hand. How many of you in here are 50 and older? Just raise your hand real quick. God bless you. How many of you are... Put your hand down real quick. I don't want you to get confused of what category you're in. <laughs> How many of you are in here are 50 or 49 and younger? How many raise our hand? So it's a pretty good balanced balcony. You got a lot of young people up there. Y'all got to walk stairs. I understand that, right? What is this point 
What is the point? Friends, I want you to know this is your pastor speaking to a church that is challenged and, and has a great challenge of two different generations. And how can the older generation take the younger generation? Because guess what? There's still more work to do. And I know that everybody in this room doesn't like Jeffrey and everybody doesn't like a certain music. But here's my prayer. is God uses the older generation and the younger generation to teach the following generations the promises of God. When my days are numbered, when my days are gone, whenever that is, there will still be more work for somebody else to do. And as long as the Lord tarries, if He tarries in coming back, there is work to be done. And church, here's what we need to do. I need the old and I need the young to come together and say this, I know the promises of God and I'm willing to follow His leading. And together, we will faithfully follow step by step as there is more work to do in our community and, our, and, and especially in our town. This week, one of the most heart-wrenching things that I've done that understands the need of Jesus Christ in our community is to preach a funeral of a young man. And in that funeral service at the very end, here is the question I ask. Everybody's head was bowed, and I asked how many people are hurting in this service that feel like they are in the 11th hour of their life, and they can't make it to the next hour. This whole bottom was full of people, and I bet you a hundred hands went up. Now, I could sit there and say, that's, that's bad. That breaks my heart. That's bad news. But I was convicted that there's more work to do. And friends, I pray this. God uses every person of this church to reach our world for a God that wants to lead our lives. As Joshua's job goes from conquering now to division, it gets harder. And here's what he must do. He must faithfully follow the Lord's will and they will cast lots and they will do different things to distribute this promised land. And here is the heartbreaking thing. The people of Israel have traveled together for so long. They've been together for so long. Now it's time to break them up. In just an hour, uh, just hopefully 30 minutes or so, we're going to break you all up. We've been together, but you're going out to your promised land, to your space to be Jesus in those areas. How do we get those 12 tribes? Stay with me here. I'm not going to, well, I'll, I'll refer you Genesis 29 and 30 if you want to write that down and go back and study it later. We do not have time to study it this morning. But the 12 tribes formed from Jacob's lineage. Jacob had four women in his life that God used to build up these 12 tribes. And here is that order. Order. Leah is Jacob's first wife. Leah produced Reuben, Simon, Levi, and Judah, four sons for Jacob. Levi will not be given a territory. He would be given cities. After that, Rachel was the love of Jacob's life. But here's the problem with Rachel. Rachel could not bear children. 
And so what Rachel did, Rachel gave Jacob uh, her handmaid. Because she could not bear children, she gave her handmaid. And Jacob had two sons, Dan and Nathalie, by Bilhah, Rachel's handmaid. Well, guess what? The, older, the other sister, Leah, got upset and got jealous and said, Hey, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to give my handmaid to Jacob. And that's exactly what she did. Zilpah was given to Jacob and Gad and Asher were produced. Those two sons were produced in that marriage. And then as, as uh, God's plan, uh, then it would go back to Leah. Excuse me, Leah would have three more children. Issachar, Zebulun, and also the only daughter, Dinah. Okay? And then God saw fit to open up Rachel's womb and produced Joseph and Benjamin. And Rachel died in birth with Benjamin. Now, I know that's a thumbnail sketch really quick. But that is the, that, that is, that is the source of the 12 tribes that we're going to talk about today. Now, as we look at that, I want, you to, I want you to know this. As, as we see these tribes that are going to be carried out, I'm going to try to hit them quickly. And as we introduce this map, the, the division is being carried out by Eliezer, and it's being carried out by Joshua to oversee it. So, Jeremy, I'm going to ask real quick that we put that map up on the screens. Everybody see a map? It's wonderful. I got me a little fancy-dancy pointer here, too. So remember... On the east side, I'm going to try to hit both of them. On the east, east side of Jordan, there is Reuben, there's Gad, and there's half the tribe of Manasseh. If you read through Joshua chapter number 13, you will see these. Verses 15 through 38 talk about the tribe of Reuben. Right there, right there, all right? Verses 24 through 28 talk about the division of land for Gad. And verses 29 through 32 talk about half of the tribe of Manasseh. Now notice that Manasseh will be on both sides. Okay, so half is on the east side of the Jordan River. But here's what I want you to note. Everything is not always good. As God divides this land in chapter number 13, I want you there because I'm going to refer you. There are two verses that I want you to see. Look at verses 14. And 33, Joshua chapter number 13, verse 14 says, And only unto the tribes of Levi he gave none inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he said to them. And then verse number 33, the end of the, ver end of the chapter says, But unto the tribe of Levi Moses gave not any inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance, as he said unto them. Levi does not get land. They will get cities. We will address them at the very end of our message today. But as we see the east side of Jordan taking place, I also want to point you to a bit of failure. And we will point these out as we go along the way. Chapter 13, verse number 13 says this, Nevertheless, the children of Israel expelled not the Geshurites nor the Meacathites, but the Geshurites and the Meacathites dwell among the Israelites until this day. They did not do what they were supposed to do. And failure is mentioned in the Bible. I want to stop for just a second. And as we look at the east side, I'm sorry, Jeremy, again, those are the, are the two and a half tribes that Moses promised those people. 
And remember that their armies would still march into the promised land and they would still fight. How many of you love history? I'm in trouble. Okay, I'm in trouble. Most of you don't. Well, you're getting a history lesson today. So now we have to move on the west side of Jordan. As we move to the west side of Jordan, we are going to skip chapter number 14. Chapter number 14 will be next week's sermon, but we're going to skip that chapter and go to chapter number 15. I will talk fast. Judah is covered in chapter 15 as being divided in the southern region on the west, west side. So you see the light blue on the, on the left-hand side of your screen. That is the, the territory of Judah. And this is the promise from Genesis chapter number 12 and chapter number 15 to Abraham that his spiritual seed and the land had promise. It becomes a gift to the people of God. But even in chapter number 15, the last verse of that chapter, verse number 63, it says, As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not, you need to, you need to look at those two words, could not drive them out, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem unto this day. You said, Pastor Jeffrey, I thought all the conquering was done. No, the majority of it was. But what each one of these tribes had to do is they had to go infiltrate these areas and run out anybody that was left behind. And so we see that Judah could not do it. They couldn't do what God had asked them to do. So even failure is mentioned here. I want to say this. There are some well-known people that come from this tribe of Judah. David, Caleb, Solomon, Jesus... Most of you know those names in your Bible. They all are descended from this tribe. Now, verses, uh, excuse me, chapters 16 and 17 of Joshua cover Ephraim and West Manasseh. Now listen, if I had to read all this to you, you'd be in trouble because there are some fun names. You go home and read it tonight and you will understand half the reason I didn't preach it. The other half is I didn't want to bore you to death. Ephraim and West Manasseh. Uh, Ephraim was the tribe that Joshua was from. But these are covered in chapters 16 and 17 of Joshua. You can go on and flip there if you want to. Because I'm going to point out some stuff. Uh, Manasseh and Ephraim are two of Joseph's sons. Remember, Joseph got the double portion of the blessing in Genesis chapter 48. Jacob blessed Joseph's sons. His right hand was on the head of the younger one, Ephraim. As Joseph tried to change that, Jacob tells him, the younger will be greater. The younger one will be greater, and he is given uh, the, the portion. Joseph's two sons are given the, the, the blessing there. So you will see Manasseh on the west is the brown shaded one. Okay, Ephraim just below it. and They are given uh, their territory. As you read through this, you will also see failure in their, their lives. Chapter 16 Verse 10, it says, They drove not out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwelt among the Ephraimites until this day to serve under tribute. In verses, uh, chapter number 17, verses 12 and 13, there's more failure there. The children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. God had a vision for His land, and it involved His people in control of it all. 
And as they were asked to take over and take charge of those cities, they were asked to drive out everybody that was of a different nationality. They didn't want that cross, uh, that intermingle of breeding of, of God's people against the world. And so there's distrust in some of this. But in God's gifting of the land, uh, we see how adequate God is in spelling out cities and territories and where they are to live. Now, I don't know if you've ever considered this. I'm going to take a stop, stop right here and say this. Where you live, is that important? Is that important to you? Maybe you bought your house because of some, some amenity that was there or what it looked like or maybe even a location. But where you live, church, is important. Where you call home is important because it is in that area God expects us to minister. And that is what's happening here. As he is sending his children out, they are expected to inhabit and minister in these lands. Chapter number 18. It opens with a survey of the land, but I want to call your attention to chapter number 18 and the beginning of it. There's a question there in verse number 3. As Joshua said to the children of Israel, these are the seven tribes that are left that have not claimed their land. Here's what that question is in, in, in chapter, chapter 18, verse 3. How long are you, are, are you going to slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers have given you? Have you ever thought God was asking you that question? How long are you going to slack for? And what he's saying is this, I have a job for you and you're not stepping up. You're slacking in what God, what my plan is for your life. I don't know if maybe this is the wrong word, but I'm going to say it anyway. Have you ever felt like a slacker? I'll be the chief. They were taking too much time. They were not moving. They were comfortable with where they are. And Joshua calls them out for their slackness. How long? How long? I want to use that real quick in this sermon and how you and I serve the Lord. Some of you, God is waiting on you to move and to do things. How long? How long do we need? Chapter 18 continues it with a survey of the land by those seven tribes that are remaining. And they send three, three men out from every tribe to survey it. They set up a tabernacle of worship in Shiloh. And as that warning goes out, these 21 men from the seven tribes would push to take the next steps in securing the land. As we move on to Benjamin, chapter 18, the end of it, Benjamin is given the hill country. You see right there in Ephraim, just below Ephraim, it's a little slither of land there where Benjamin is given. Um, and, and part of that territory contains the famous city of Jericho. Saul was a descendant. Paul was a descendant here. But guess what? Benjamin almost was a tribe that was almost extinct later on in the book of Judges as they fought against the rest of Israel. Israel about wiped them off the map. But, but they hid and they were not. God, God saved that remnant of people uh, uh, for the tribe of Benjamin. Now, Simeon. Uh, he is, oh, there we go, the big green here on the bottom. Bottom left. Uh, that land given to Simeon uh, within Judah is reassigned to Simeon. Uh, chapter 19, verses 1 through 9 cover that. 
and the descendants scatter away. They, they're, they are, that's part of their punishment. They are scattered away. Uh, the next uh, group in, is Zebulon in chapter 19, verses 10 through 16. So you see them right up here in the middle. It's kind of hard to see. They're a little, little right up there in the, in the north. And here's what Zebulun is. They're known for their army during King David. There's not much mentioned about this group of people, but they're known for their army in the days of King David. And as that army would fight and defend, that's what's written about. Nothing else is really written about these people. Issachar is next, verses 17 through 23 of chapter 19, but even less is known of them. Asher is next. So Asher should be right here on the coast, see there? Asher is next as they are divided in verses 24 through 31. And they are known for their olive groves, for their land being able to produce olive groves. Naphtali, there he is, right there. There's Naphtali, up in that yellow at the top. They are divided out in the northeast. And basically, there's not a lot said in the Bible about them. Dan is next. Dan is very interesting. In uh, verses 40 through 48 of chapter number 19, you see there are two locations on this map for Dan. Dan was given this little piece of land right here along the Great Sea on the left, but, but they could not conquer that land. And so what they wanted to do is they decided to go all the way up in the northern tip, and that's where they would eventually settle. So Dan could not conquer, but then they went north, marched north, to settle above the Sea of Galilee there. How many of y'all are bored right now? Be honest. Listen, this is the one sermon out of the whole Joshua series that I said, God, how do I preach it? How am I going to get through this? But here's what God says. As we look at all of those tribes, there's yet but one left. And that is the tribe of the Levites. As they are given cities. We're going to skip chapter 20. We'll come back to that for another sermon. But chapter number 21 deals with the division of land to the Levites. This is the last one and I will move on, I promise you. Verses 4 through 8. Number 48 cities within every one of these tribes that are given, as a priest, are given to the priestly family. The Levites. So Israel altogether will be responsible to take care of the Levite people. They are the spiritual leaders to God's people. And they didn't receive any land. They were known as sojourners in the land. And so as we look at, the, at chapter number 21 and read through that, you will see that they are gifted these 48 cities. And then what happens? Well, here's what happens. The preaching's going to start right now. Look at the end of chapter number 21. Look at verse number 43 through 45. Remember at the very beginning of our sermon, we talked about there's always more to do. There's always more to do. But listen to these verses, 43 through 45 of chapter 21. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it, and dwelt therein. 
And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. You need to underline those words if you write in your Bible. All came to pass. Now, that, this today, you might, I should have just stayed at home in my pajamas. It would have been good. I could have live streamed it. I am glad you are here. Because we need to get through the tough part of Scripture together. Even when it's hard, we don't jump over it or miss it. We need to glean what's there. And at the end of chapter number 21, here is the point of all of this. Number one, this land is a gift. You did nothing to deserve it. You did nothing to earn it. It is a gift from me to my people. Anybody understand what a gift is? It's something that you didn't buy, you didn't earn, but was freely given. That is what this land is to the people of God. Today, the greatest gift is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And my prayer today is this. If you have never received that great gift, that that would happen today. The second point is this, is that rest again was given. Rest was given and a gift to the people. As we look in verses 43 and 44, as God gave them the land, they received it. They dwelt there. The Lord gave it. The Lord delivered it. And they still had work to do. A lot of times when we think about rest today, we think, hey, I'm going to take the jacket off. I'm going to kick my feet up, and I'm doing nothing. Is that rest? That's one type of rest. Closing your eyes at night and trying to sleep for five or six or seven or eight hours, that's another kind of rest. But what does it mean to you, church, to rest in the promises of God? Friends, this is the first time that the people of God could truly rest because they were where God wanted them to be. They were in the place that God had made. They were in that land flowing with milk and honey, and so they could rest. Does it mean that they could kick their feet back, enjoy a few quiet moments? No, there was still work to do. Friends, today... I think that rest is a gift. And there's no greater place to rest than in the arms of Christ, knowing you're exactly where God wants you. I'm going to speak to the Christian heart today. If there's a Christian heart, if there's a believer in this room that is not restful, they're restless, look where you're resting. That's all I'm going to say. Make sure you are in the will of God, the place that God wants you to be. That's where true rest is. The third point out of these three verses is that what God promised came to pass. At the end of verse number 45, it said it all came to pass. It took 600 years from Abraham's promise till it finally happened, plus 600 plus years, but it happened. And it came to pass. Today, what are you waiting on? What are you doing? I'm not going to say to pass the time. What are you doing to rest 
and the place that God has for you. Today, my hope is this. As we began this study with standing on the promises of God, that today God is still with His people. But how do we apply this history to our life? Are you faithfully following what God has planned? Are you working where He needs you? Are you intentionally working and serving the Savior? There is a place carved out for you to do the will and the work of God. And if you aren't doing it, you need to get there. You need to get to your promised land. There are three words and I'm done. We're done today. The first word is this. As I read this history lesson, the first word I want to give you in a moment of invitation is this. Time. Starting out, God said, Moses, you are old. Some of you would take that and get mad and blow up like a bullfrog and be mad. But here's what God was really saying. I said Moses, sorry, Joshua. Joshua, Joshua, you are old. Joshua, your time is coming to an end. You only have a little bit of time left. And in, those time, in that time, I still need you to work for me. The greatest moment in my life, here's what my, my wish would be, is that I do the work of God, and when I'm done, God just take me home. I don't want to finish early. I don't want to quit. I don't want to lay down. I want to do what God has for me. And then God, please take me home. If it's 50, it's 50. Some of you, some, some people would have a hard time saying that. It could be 50. And 50 is not old. 50 is not old. But friends, today... I can't tell you how much time that you have left. Are you doing what God wants you to do with your days, with your moments, with your years of life? The second word that I want to give you today in closing is this. What is your next step? We've seen that Joshua went from conquering to dividing to possessing. And all of this happened over a period of years in his life. And you said he wasted away the good part of his years. No, he didn't. He was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. And so he didn't waste a moment. He was doing what God had for him. What is your next step? As you sit here in these comfortable pews today and the, the air conditioning is on, praise the Lord. But listen, what is our next step? It's not to sit here and cross our arms and hope people walk through the door. It's being intentional about where we live, about our promised land, about what God has gifted us and using it for His glory. What is your next step? What is He calling you to and where is He calling you to serve? The third word is faithful. What do you need to do to finish well? I'm talking to young people and I'm talking to older people today. What do you need to do today to finish well? You see, what Abraham done in his lifetime didn't benefit him. It benefited generations later. And there are some of you that need to be faithful to God today for nothing that you will see, but for what will happen the generations down the road.
Friends, I want you to know it's so easy to get caught up in today. My prayer is this, is that with time and with taking our next step and with being faithful to God, that He will use the people of Clifford Baptist Church not to just sit here and throw the doors open, but to go and be the people of God in the places that He's called us to. I'm done preaching today. 34 minutes. But here's what I want to make this moment of invitation about. This moment of invitation is not about a history lesson. It's not about years ago in Joshua's life. This moment today in an altar is about you and it's about God and how that relationship is. Today, my prayer this morning as I knelt right here and I I prayed on these steps is, God, use this hard lesson to bring about the good of your people. Use this hard lesson to do something good for your glory. And so today, in this moment of invitation, my prayer is this. What steps do we need to take, church? Where do you need to be? And my ultimate step is this. If there's somebody here that has never trusted Christ as Savior, there's a promised land that awaits. But here's the sad part of the promises of God. There's no heaven for an unbeliever in Jesus Christ. That's that's not promised. Nowhere in this book is the promise of heaven for somebody that comes to church or that acts right or that dresses up. There's no promise of heaven for there. The only promise of heaven in this book is for that one that trusts Jesus Christ as Savior in their life. If you've never taken that step, today the promised land awaits you to take that step to come to Jesus Christ as Savior. Through His blood alone, you can make that step today. As we open this altar today, I pray that God moves now. Let's bow. Father God, Lord, thank You. Lord, You know, Lord, my feelings about this sermon and what You asked me to speak. Lord, I pray, Lord, that You take my stumbling tongue. and Lord, You make it benefit your glory I pray that you take the history of your people being faithful being obedient being willing to take the steps necessary that you will call people to you God I pray Lord today that you will use this moment of invitation to allow Christians hearts to be in the right place with you God I'll praise you for what you do in Jesus name God spoken to you today what steps do you feel like he would have you to take in response to what we have heard let's stand together and we're going to sing a hymn of invitation if God has spoken to you I want to challenge you to take Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. for more information about our church please call our church office at 434-946-0555